0: So often, um, we see miraculous things that happen. We see things that go on in our culture, in our society, um, in our community, and we see, well, how did that happen? How did that happen? How did that happen? It's like you, and then we get into awe about what we just saw or what we just experienced. And then. We, we go on and then we forget about what we saw or what we, remember or what we experienced. And we go on to our next thing. And so often that is the pattern that we as individuals do. We often forget the reality of what we just experienced. Well, today we're going to be looking at passage, um, a familiar passage, I think, to almost all of us of Jesus um, de- delivering a young uh, son uh, from the possession of a demonic spirit and um, how he delivered him and how he made him free um, and how the Father had a renewed sense of faith um, in Jesus to do the miraculous. And that's one of the things that God's going to want to teach us as well, having faith in him to do the miraculous. Uh, we're going to be looking at three specific points. Number one is that a father's, a father and son story. The son is raised up, and then lastly, uh, by prayer only. Uh, our, we're going to continue in the Gospel of Mark and we're continue- and we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 29. So read along with me as I read. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, "What are you discussing with them?" And one of the crowd answered him, "Teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams in the, at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. When they saw him immediately, the spirit threw him into a convulsion and falling to the ground, began rolling around and foaming at the mouth and he asked his father how long has this been happening to him and he said from childhood and has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him but if you can do anything take pity on us and help us and jesus said to him if you can all things are possible to him who believes immediately the boy's father cried out and said i do believe help my unbelief when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and do not enter him again. And crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up and he got up. And when he came into the house, the disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot come out but by, out by anything but prayer. And may God add the blessing to the reading of his word. Okay, our first point is um, a father and son story. Verse, uh, chapter 9, verses 14 through 18. Um and when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some of the scribes arguing with them. So what did we see last week? Last week we had saw the transfigurations. What was the transfiguration? That's when they were up on the mountain. And Peter, James, and John um, had witnessed and saw Jesus be transformed into a heavenly or glorious um, uh, v- version of himself, of who he was as he looked in heaven with garments white, even whiter than my shirt, bright and glorious, uh, that they saw that Jesus was transformed. And they had a meeting with Moses and Elijah, prophets, uh, men of old who were revered um, as a part of the Old Testament. And Jesus met with them, about talking to them about the preparation of when things were to come. Now, Jesus comes down from the mountain. He comes down. And the other disciples were where? They were down below um, with the people. And what do we see here? And we see here that they came back to the disciples, the other disciples, the other, um, the other nine disciples plus the other followers that were there. And we see a situation going on. Uh, they saw a large crowd. There was a large crowd, and there were these religious leaders that were arguing with them. It always seems like that's, that's always the story, the religious leaders who knew better, who knew things, who knew they wanted to be in control, and here they are arguing with Jesus' disciples. And they wanted to, and the religious leaders will often do that. When their hearts are not where they're supposed to be, and their hearts is just about religion and not about a relationship with God, they'll they'll look, they'll be argumentative, and they'll look for points of contention within the church body. What about this? What about this? What about this? And what about this? And they'll look for an argument. They're not looking for an answer. They're just looking for an argument to pick an argument for the sake of trying to find an accusation against Jesus and against his followers. So here, that's the situation here. And immediately... Verse 15, the crowd saw him. They were amazed and began running to greet him. So here the disciples were, and they had this argument with these religious leaders, and now these people see who? They see Jesus. And what did they do? They ran to Jesus. Because they knew who Jesus was. They immediately recognized him. They immediately saw him for who he was. They immediately saw him um, as the one who had did what? Who had preached with power. The one who had... Um, Cast out demons before the one who had healed, the one who had opened up the eyes of the blind and and the ears of the deaf and the mouths of the dumb, and their their mouths were open and they were saying, "This is Jesus. He's the one. Look at him. Look, this is Jesus. This is the one we're looking for." And that's so that's a point that we think I I feel that we need to really understand is that when we see Jesus operate in power, when we see Jesus operate in the working of the Holy Spirit through him in the lives of his people, we see the hand of God in living form in what what he was doing. And so the people recognized it was Jesus. They recognized that he had done miraculous things. He he spoke with power. He did things with power. And they wanted to come to him. So they were naturally gravitating towards him, weren't they? And they were actually running to him. And that's an important point. Is that people will run to Jesus. When they see the reality of the person of Jesus. And they know Jesus. they've seen what Jesus has done before, they'll run to him. They won't run to a man. If they're, looking for, if they're looking for help, they're looking for help from a man. But when they see Jesus, it's a totally different story. It's a totally different level. And he takes it up to the level of, this is the real deal. Here we have his disciples, but now we have Jesus. And so they run to him. And he goes on here and he says, and he asks them, What are you discussing? And just as Jesus is Jesus saying, What are you discussing with them? What's going on? What's the argument? What's going on? Do you think Jesus didn't know? You think Jesus was unaware? You think, what are they what are you guys arguing about? Like he didn't know. Like he wasn't aware that of what the argument was about. He was aware, he's fully he was God, right? He's, he's, he's in the spirit. He's, in, he's walking in the spirit. And he understands. He knows what the argument's about. But no one would dare speak up except for one who had a real need. And this was what the whole... This is what the whole story was all about. About the one need of this one individual who spoke up. And he had a pretty significant need. He had a pretty obvious need. He had a pretty glaring need that he had. That he wanted to present to Jesus. Right? How many of us have had serious needs in our lives that we felt that we really needed to get met? How many of us? I know I have. We all have that only Jesus can meet right that only Jesus can heal that only Jesus can deliver that only Jesus can set free man can only do so much man can only accomplish so much but Jesus is the one he's the real deal who can accomplish whatever beyond whatever we could even imagine or even think even the impossible They saw him do it before right could he do it now could he do it now absolutely absolutely he could do it now jesus could do whatever the impossible and do we believe that even in our own lives do we believe that we saw jesus do things before do we believe that he could in the moment in the situation in the circumstance now Do we believe that he can do it now in our circumstance, in our situation? No matter how impossible, no matter how difficult, no matter how beyond the realm of possibility it is, do we believe that Jesus could answer and intervene in that situation? And that's the question he asks us. And that's he continually asks us. Okay, so let's go on here. And one of the crowd answered him, teacher. So here it is. This is the father's and son's story. So here's his father. We don't know anything about him. We don't even know his first name. But we do know one thing about him. We do know something about his story. And what is it? Part of that story? The father had a son. Okay? And his, and his son had a need. His son had a glaring need, a need that needed to be met, a need that man could not man could not meet. Obviously, man could not meet. He had a need. And what was his need? Here was his father, he was desperate to meet the need of his son, and because he loved his son, he cared for his son and he wanted his best for his son. And he saw how his son was, as we're going to find out, was in such great torment. And he goes on and he says, I brought you my son. So it's his son whom he cared for and whom he loved. Possessed with a spirit, which makes him mute. What's mute? Mute means he can't speak. He can't speak. He often can't. Well, it's not often he, he can't speak. He can't. The spirit, what it, what the spirit would do is that it would make it, it would allow, it would not allow the child to be able to speak. It would control his body to the point where it wouldn't control, allow him to speak. Right. So normally the child would be fine, but when the spirit took control of him, what would happen? The child would not be able to speak. And it goes on here. And it says. And whenever it seizes him. So in other words. What is this? So there is a visible. There is a visible manifestation. Of the spirit. the spirit. The spirit comes in. Takes control of him. Doesn't allow him to speak. But also what does it do? It seizes him. So there is a violent. What? There is a violent. Takeover of this child. There is a Violent possession of this child and the person of this child. And, and it, what does it do? One, first of all, it slams him to the ground and foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. So that's pretty graphic, isn't it? So he takes control of this child and causes him to do things that he normally wouldn't do. And taking complete control, complete possession of the child. And doing things that are harmful. Slamming him to the ground, foaming at the mouth, grinding his teeth. And and stiffens out like he's a corpse. That's pretty serious stuff. But that's a visible manifestation of the control of a demonic spirit. And that's how it manifested in this son's life. Does that happen today? Yes, it does. I've seen it personally. I've witnessed it. It's a serious, serious thing where demonic, it was just as it was real back then, and just as it was real back then, it is real today. People don't like the call for what it is, but in reality, it still exists. We may not like it because. It's like, well, how do you know? It could be this, it could be this, it could be this. But there's sometimes there's real manifestations of very real manifestations of demonic spirits that take over a person's life and take control of them and make them do things that they're incapable of controlling themselves. And so for this father, this was a serious matter. How many of us, what would we do in a situation like this? What will we do in a circumstance like this? What would we do in when we see this and we see what's going on and what do we do? I don't know, I don't know, what do we do? We call this person, we call this person, we call this person, we call this person, we call this person and it's okay to seek like medical help or it's okay to seek Other kinds of help, but it's also, what else do we do? Do we take time to do what? What do we do? Do we seek Jesus? And what did this man do? This man was seeking Jesus through what? Through his disciples. This man was seeking help through his, um, you know, through Jesus' disciples. But as we're going to find out, what what happened? And whenever, and they could not do what. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. So here was Jesus' followers, his disciples, the ones that were close to him, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't cast it out. Had they done it before? Yeah? There was times where they had, um, where they had, Jesus sent them out, remember how he sent out the 70 how he sent out those and to preach and to teach and to cast out demons and to heal had they done that before yeah they did they had, they had accomplished those things before they had done those things before but often what happens is that people forget right remember my illustration in the beginning God does some miraculous things through us and does things in our lives, but we often forget and we move on to the next situation and we forget what God had done in the past. And we have to develop memories that remember everything that God's done because the things that, when we remember what God has done, it encourages us and gives us faith for what God wants to do now. But if we forget what God has done and we don't remember what he has done or what he has accomplished, It's going to hinder us in our faith and what God wants to accomplish now. And so we need to remember what he's done. God's done things through us, hasn't he, before? God's done miraculous things in my life. He's done miraculous things in each one of our lives, in situations and circumstances that we need to remember. If God did it then, is he a God that changes? He says, I am God and I change not. Does he change? Absolutely not. Does he change? He doesn't change. And God doesn't do the miracle. God doesn't change just because of uh, the wind or the circumstances or the times. God doesn't change. And so God allows, uh, God does things that he wants to do now and he wants us to believe him and trust him to do it now. He does, and He can, and He will. I've experienced healing in my own life, personal healing. I've seen healing in other people's lives. I've seen it, and God has done it, and it's real. And he's, if He's done it back then, He can do it now. Right? Can He? Is there anything that's impossible with God? For with God, nothing is what? Nothing's impossible, is it? But let's go on here. Let's go on to our second second point. Let's look at verse 19. And he answered them and said, "O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. You think Jesus was a little upset there? He was, Jesus was angry and it's okay to be angry. He was angry for the right reason. Think Jesus was disappointed? Jesus was disappointed, wasn't he? But he was disappointed for the right reason. Because often you look at you look at the old in the Old Testament. When God miraculously delivered the the people, God's people from the hand of Pharaoh, parting the Red Sea. Providing manna. Providing water from the rock. But yet they would complain. We don't have anything. But they forgot what God had already done. They forgot. Right? They forgot what God did. And the miraculous power that God did and God accomplished. Same thing is going on here. God gets disappointed with us when we don't remember what he has done and that he that he wants to do now through us who lives inside of us who lives inside of us right now Jesus through the holy spirit right has he not given us the same power has he not Through who? Greater is he that is in you than than what? Than he who is in the world. Who's in the world? They're talking about Satan. So him who lives in us is greater than him who lives in the world. And the same power that they had back then is the same power that we have now as God's people. That lives and dwells inside of us through His Holy Spirit. What He did in our, what He did back then, He wants to do now. What He did in our lives um, in previous days, He wants to do now, in miraculous ways, in miraculous power. He wants to accomplish those things through who? Through us, His people, and that can happen. God, by God's grace. I've been a part of where I've been participated in, prayed for, and seen folks delivered from demonic spirits. There was, a manifestation, there was manifestations of that in their lives, and people's lives, and I've been a part with others that, where those individuals were delivered and set free from demonic possession it existed back then exists today God's did it in my life then he look he can do it even now and he can use us as his people and I'm just using that as an example but if you think about the miraculous things in your life you think about the miracle. even our salvation is a miracle that he would get hold of me and set me free from life-controlling substances that I could not control myself, and delivering me from that. Of healing medical issues in my life where I had no control over, and the doctors couldn't do anything, and he healed me. Think about those situations in your own life again. Where God has done the miraculous and you can't explain it. And it couldn't be explained by any other thing except it was God. And when you experience and you came and you came into a relationship with Jesus and he did the miraculous in your life. Did it then, he'll do it now. But sometimes God gets disappointed when we, when we forget and we don't believe him for the now. Right? Sometimes we God gets disappointed. He gets upset when we don't, when we don't remember. Like He got upset with the children of Israel in the desert. Sometimes He gets upset with us now when we forget. When He says, "God, I don't know if you can do this. This is a big. This is big. This is too big." Who created the mountains? Who created the stars? Who spoke to stars in the universe? and the galaxies into existence. He did. Who created all the intricacies of all the, the, the physics of the Earth and of the universe. Who created all the intricacies of all the animals and the varieties of flowers and animals and, and, and all kinds of uh, fish in the sea and the birds in the air and, and those that crawl on the ground. And who did all that? God did. If he created that with all that variety and all that uniqueness can he intervene in our situation, our circumstance right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, nothing is impossible with God. What? Who? With God. But let's go on here. So bring him to me. So Jesus commands him to bring him to him. This is an important point because we need, if we want our needs to be met, we need to present our needs to Jesus, right? Bring them bring to him. Bring, him, bring the boy to me. In other words, we bring our needs to Jesus. Here it is, Jesus. He's telling us, bring your need to me. Even though you struggle with your faith, even though you struggle with your belief, he still tells you what? Bring them to me. Bring them to me. Bring your need to me. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. Lay it down before me, and I can take care of it. I can do the impossible. And they brought the boy, so they obeyed Jesus. What happened if he, What do you think would happen if he didn't bring the boy to Jesus? Would the boy's need have gotten met? No. But if you don't bring your need to Jesus, your needs won't be met, will it? So we need to follow his instructions and say, okay, if he's telling us to bring the need to him, then we need to bring the need to him and lay it down before Jesus. And they brought the boy to him. We, when he saw him, immediately. Who's when he? Who's he in this passage? When he saw him, who's he talking about? He's talking about the demons. Because who was controlling the boy at this time? The demons were, weren't they? The demons were controlling this boy, and he was saying to immediately when they and, the, and they brought the boy to him and. Immediately, the spirit threw him into convulsion, like he couldn't control himself. You ever see a person that's in convulsion? You ever see a person that couldn't control their bodily functions and they were just out of control and they, were just, they couldn't do anything? I've seen it before. And, and falling to the ground, they began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. So it was just like he did with the father, so he was doing in front of Jesus. The demons wanted to be in control of this child. The spirit wanted to be in control of the person. Right? When they were seeing Jesus, they couldn't, they couldn't react. They were, trying to, they were trying to hold on to the last thing that they had. They saw the power of the person of Jesus. Who's Jesus? He's God come in the flesh, He's God's Son. Who has control? Who's greater than them? Who's greater than the demons? God is the one who's greater. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who's in us? God through his Holy Spirit. So greater is God in us than he that is in the world, Satan and his demons. And when they saw Jesus, they were trying to hold on to this child for every last thing that they could, ha- they could, they could do. And they weren't letting go. It's one of the things, what is Satan's whole purpose? What's Satan's whole purpose in in relation to people and people's lives? He's come to do what? Kill, steal, what? And destroy. But what does Jesus come to do? I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Right? So the enemy is... Purpose is to destroy people's lives. What was he trying to do with his child? And he said, if you look back, and he was trying to kill him. It often slammed him to the ground and foam to the mouth, and they were trying to kill him and trying to destroy and take this person's life. That's what the enemy wants to do with each and every one of us. They think, oh, the, uh, Satan's cool. They say, the Dev- devil's cool. He's not. All he wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy our lives. He wants to kill us. He wants to steal from us. He wants to destroy us. He has no good intentions for us. He has no good intentions at all. Who's the only one who has perfect, good intentions for us? God does. He wants what's best. What did he he say? He says, I came that you might have what? Life and have it more abundantly. Abundant life. That's what he wants for us. Satan wants death. Jesus wants to give us life. And so the the devil was trying to do what? The demonic spirits are trying to take the life of this individual rather than rather than Jesus, allowing Jesus to give life. Abundant life. You ever see and we see it in our culture, we see it in our world. I've seen it, I've, I've, traveled, I've traveled to different parts of the world. And I've seen it. I've seen what the enemy can do. It, we don't see it so much here, it is here, but I think it's masked here in the United States. But I've seen it in other countries where the manifestation of demonic spirits is really shown, and what happens is, is that the enemy takes control of people's lives through drugs, through illicit sex, through other things, pornography, all these other issues, addictions, he controls people's lives, seeking, the, using those things, and other things as well. Seeking those things, chaos and confusion and war. Seeking those things to destroy the lives of men and women and children. Seeking to destroy their lives, seeking to take out their lives. And that's what and that's where he seeks to control people. That's where he seeks to take people's lives rather than give life. He wants to take out as many people as he can. Jesus wants to give life to as many as those who will receive it. An abundant life. What's abundant life? Abundant life is the best life that you could imagine. The best life, not necessarily in material things. Yes, God wants us to have wonderful things and to experience those things, but to experience real life, to enjoy things, to be able to, uh, to be at peace, to be able to have joy in your heart, to be able to experience nice things and enjoy nice things and experience peace. How many people in our world are walking in peace? How many of us can say that we're genuinely, we have peace in our soul? Where there's peace, be still. How many of us can say that we have joy in our hearts? What the joy, of the, you ever hear this the, the, the phrase, the Bible verse where it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength? How many of us have that? That's abundant life. Peace, joy. How many people in the world really have that? A lot of people are in angst. A lot of people have a lot of things going on in their life, a lot of anxiety. Fears, doubts, people are desperate that the enemy wants, that the enemy is using to take out their lives. Whereas Jesus is saying, I want to give you peace, that peace that passes understanding. I want to give you my joy, the joy that gives you strength. I want to give you my contentment. What does the contentment mean? It says all things are possible with God. You know what? And one in the Bible verse, I forget where it is, but it talks about what talks about. Um, you know, what things are possible with God? What's one of the things he's talking about? Being content. That's in that context. I forget where that scripture passage is, but he talks about being content. That's like a very real thing. It's hard for pe- us to be content. And, but God says that's possible that's real life it being content okay I'm content we're not anxious always looking for something you're content with what you have or what you're content with what you are that's the life of Jesus having peace having joy being content not always being anxious but let's finish let's go on here and he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, from childhood. So this, we're not sure how old this child was, but apparently a child may have, been like, uh, may have been a teenager or he may have been a young adult. We don't know. But apparently he's been doing it to him for a long time since he's been a child. And what does it do to him? Throws him into a fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity. Take pity on us and they help us. so again it goes back to my point was he's looking to what to destroy him the demon, the demons want to destroy him and it goes on here and um, he'll do anything whatever he needs to do in order to take out the life and what he, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and what was the man asking for the man was asking for pity or m- mercy or compassion from Jesus. Take pity on us, Jesus. You see our plight. You see our situation. You see our circumstance. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on my circumstance. Have pity on me. Pity means sorrow. Or a compassion for my need. Does God have compassion for our need? Does God have pity for our need? Absolutely he does. He knows our need. He knows what we, he knows what we need even before we ask him. And he has compassion for us as well. We need to come to him and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Have mercy. My kids hear me say that all the time. I say, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. Right? We all need mercy sometimes, don't we? We all need mercy. We need his help. We need his help. We need his compassion. And it goes on here and it says, um, and Jesus said to him, But if you can do anything, take pity on him. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And that's the point of the que- That's the point. That's the whole point here that Jesus is saying. We bring our needs to him, e- even though it may seem impossible, even though it may seem like something that's way beyond normal uh, things, it's way beyond normal of what. Things can be done. Jesus asks us a question, and what's that question? If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. You know that Jesus tells us, "If you can, Jesus. If you believe, it can." Do you believe it can? Do we believe he can? Is he God of the impossible? Absolutely. Is he a God? of miracles? Absolutely. Has we seen it before in our lives? Has he done it before in us? He has. Has this man done it before? Has his disciples saw it before? Has his disciples experienced it before? Absolutely. Does God still do it now? Absolutely. Does God still accomplish those things? Absolutely. God, he doesn't change. He still does. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Ask yourself that question right now. Do you believe that deep down in your heart? Do you believe that? Or is this just another message that Pastor John's preaching? A bunch of words. But the reality is we have to ask ourselves those questions. Do we believe that? He can, folks. He can. Uh, Unequivocally, he can. Our God can. And there's no doubt about it there can't be any doubt about it did he part the red sea for the israelites yes did he provide manna yes did he save a wretch like me like amazing grace a wretched man like john newton A wretched man. A slave trader. And God got a hold of his life. He knew what he was. Was his life beyond redemption? Absolutely not. But God set him free. A miracle of God. A miracle of God. God got a hold of his life. Is there anything too difficult for God? I don't think so but we have to be convinced of that in our own hearts and immediately the boy's father cried out and said i do believe help my unbelief do we struggle with unbelief yeah i do believe jesus but my faith is small jesus i do believe Help my unbelief. Help me, Jesus. Do we need Jesus to help us to believe? Absolutely. Do we need his strength? Absolutely. Do we need his power? Absolutely. We need him to help us to believe. It may, it may sound ironic, but we do need him to help us even believe in him that he can do it. And he can and he will. And he'll accomplish those things that he wants to accomplish and do those things that he wants to do and in and through us in our lives. God can do it. We need to believe that he can do it. But we need help believing that he can do it. And when Jesus saw the crowd, verse 25, rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him, and do not enter him again. Who has command over the spirits? Jesus does. And what, and what, what happens? So Jesus has the power to do it. And crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up, and he went and he got up. He had control, Jesus has control of the spirit. Jesus has control over the powers that are in this world. Again, remember that phrase Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when we operate in faith, God can do in us the miraculous. And what happened here? This man believed, even with the little faith that he had, and God did what? God delivered him, and his son was made free. What's our story going to be? What's our story going to be? Well, we've, our story started, but our story hasn't ended yet, has it? We're still here and there's still a story to be told there's still a story to be written about us in our lives and then we can look back moments from now years from now months from, months from now and decades from now if god allows us to be here that long and say yeah i remember what god did there i remember that i was in this circumstance yeah god i remember that I remember that, I remember that, I remember that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. You can do it now, God. You can do it now. You can do it now. He came to the house. Okay, and let's finish up here. We're going to finish up. And, and when he came into the house, his disciples began questioning privately, why could we not drive it out? So remember it goes back to the original thing. They were arguing about why his disciples couldn't cast it out. And this is the key point here why couldn't they do it but this is where our strength comes from and he said to them this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer another another passage in one of the other gospels says comes out by prayer and fasting those two coupled together so in order for us to operate In order for us to see things happen miraculous in our lives and even some of the even more difficult things sometimes it takes prayer more prayer and if you're really serious and we're really serious about a situation or circumstance that we need resolve we need to take serious measures. measures serious circumstances dictate that we operate in sear and we take serious measures are we willing to do it are we willing to take that extra time to pray To say, Jesus, I can't handle this. I can't do this. This circumstance is beyond me. But I believe that you can do it. I believe that you can bring healing in this circumstance, in this situation. I believe that you can do this. Are we willing to sometimes take the time to fast? Whatever that fast looks like. Are we willing to do that? Because sometimes the demonic possessions will try and have such a control to such an extent that it's only going to come out by prayer and fasting. This kind right here, what Jesus is saying, only comes out by prayer. And other situations, prayer and fasting. So when you couple it those two together, that's what we see—the victory and the power. That's where our faith is increased. As we approach Thanksgiving, one of the things that God's told me is 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 that. We remember what he has done. But not only do we remember, but we're thankful for what he's done. We're thankful for what he's done then, and we're thankful for what he's going to do now. And we're thankful that he's able to do it now in our circumstance. God, I thank you that you can do this. He can, and he will, folks. Nothing impossible for God. There's nothing, not one thing. He's the same God. I'm the same what? Yesterday, today, and what? Forever. I don't change. I am God and I change not. And that same God lives and operates in who? In us. Right? Remember that, folks. Amen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Jesus, thank you for um, just a great day, God. Thank you for uh, teaching us today. Help us not to forget what you have done help us to believe you for the miraculous even right now in our circumstances help us to take time to pray and help us just to uh believe you uh, and trust you for great and mighty things and wonderful things in our midst we thank you father that you want to do it you want to accomplish it and you will do it O oh god in our lives and we're thankful for it and it's in jesus name that we pray amen father uh, i pray that uh, let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Father, dismiss your people now with your peace. Grant us your faith, God. to help help us to believe in you. Help thou our unbelief, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.